lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in here today, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. My name is Steve Dace. Their names are Aaron McIntyre and Todd Erzin. What's your name? Let us know at 888-900-3393. Seriously, just call right now. Ron is down there in Dallas. He's not doing anything. And just, you know, have thousands of people randomly just call in and tell him your name. What do you think? Just make sure Ron's awake. He's doing his job down there, right? 888-900-3393 right now if you just want to call poor Ron down there in Dallas where he's about to be locked down. I'm sure he's wearing his mask to the toilet because Greg Abbott said so. 888-900-3393, the former land of the free, Texas. And just give Ron a hello and tell him your name through your mask, of course. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. YouTube.com slash Steve Dace is where you can go to get free samples of this show. You can view yourself and then share with others if you would like. And what else? Oh, yeah. At Steve Dace on Parler. P-A-R-L-E-R. At Steve Dace on Parler. A couple of housekeeping items here. Uh, number one. I'm I'm getting a and we're gonna have a normal Tuesday. We'll get to we'll have our uh, uh, fake news or not interesting. We're gonna do a different and I'm kind of surprised we haven't thought of this before. We're gonna do a Trump tweet edition of fake news or not. I have selected a series of Trump tweets in just the last couple of days, and then Todd and Aaron are gonna decide are these fake news or not. Should be. Yeah, a barrel full of monkeys, right? And my old lady, she doesn't care. Also, we're going to have Pop Culture Tuesday next hour. I went out and saw a first-run movie in a movie theater for the first time in four months. And at the end, I wanted to stand and friggin' applaud. It's, it is a magnum opus. Now, it's not the greatest movie I've ever seen by any stretch. But in terms of its brutal honesty and self-awareness, it's one of the best movies I've seen in the last several years where that's concerned, particularly given the subject matter. Now, have you had a chance to see this, time? I have not. All right. Aaron, you have seen it? Yes. Okay. Did you want to stand and applaud at the end of this? Well, it was late last night, so I was a little tired. But if I had more energy, yes. Aren't you like 26 years old? 27, thank you. 20, no. Going on 79, apparently. 27 and a half. 27 and a half. Nice. All right, so we're going to talk about John Stewart, erstwhile of The Daily Show, his film, uh, Irresistible, and I found it irresistible. I, I think it is genius, and we're going to talk about it. Uh, it's a movie, frankly, I, I could have written a lot of this script, and we'll get to that coming up uh, later on as well. But before we get to all of that, Okay, do we have a guest today? Yes. Who is it? It's uh, Jasper County Supervisor. Oh, that's Brandon right. I totally Talisbaum. forgot. Yeah, we got uh, the guy in our Case own backyard. Case study in the doctrine of the lesser magistrate. Yeah, the, the, we got. A, we were talking about that last week. We found an example of a guy in our own backyard who's just, yeah, whatever. We're going to do what we want in our county. We don't care what you think. Thank you. I totally forgot about that. A couple of housekeeping things here before we get to Aaron's montage. Number one. I'm getting a ton of questions right now about schools. I've got school board members emailing me. And... and if you're a school board member and you're from anywhere in America and you're looking for information, I've kind of I've sent this email out now so many times that I kind of just have it saved in my queue. 
And, and I could give you a lot more, but that would take forever. This is just intended like a dossier, basically, to get you started on research with kids and COVID and schools. And I'm getting school board members around the country are emailing me. If you want some of this information, steve at stevedace.com. And I'll, if I, you know, I get 300 emails a day, so be patient, but I'll get it. If I see it, I'll get it out to you as soon as I can. And I have a lot of parents emailing me right now. Uh, questions about, hey, you know, you guys have talked about options on your show before. I'm, I don't know if my, my kid's school is going to reopen this fall. So if you're if you're feeling under the gun where that is concerned, because the clock is ticking, we're, we're in to mid-July now, right? I mean, schools around the country are scheduled to open, what is it, uh, <clears throat> about four to six weeks from now? Late August, yeah. Yeah, so, um, which means the decisions are going to be made here in the next couple of weeks, because they're not going to make a decision on August 18th and say, hey, school opens next week. They're not going to do that. So if you want to make sure that uh, you've got your kid taken care of this fall, here's the website you're looking for. Freedomforschool.com is the website. Freedomforschool.com. That's where you go to learn about our friends over at Freedom Project Academy. My own son Noah did this for several years. It is uh, based on Judeo-Christian values for kids K through 12, classical online education. It's a virtual environment with a teacher and students around the country. And the goal there is to teach kids critical thinking. You're not being inculcated. You're not being indoctrinated. You're being taught how to think for yourself. If you want to learn more about this, because obviously with the, the increased need, their spots are filling fast as well. Freedomforschool.com is the website. Again, freedomforschool.com. All right. And then we have an announcement to make. And I want you right now on your calendar, if you have it in front of you or if you've got like an app on your phone, our family uses the Cozy app because all of us can go on there and, and add anything we want. So the whole family is up to date on what's going on with the calendar, whatever it is you guys use. I want you to make sure you circle the date December 15th. All right, December 15th. And I want to share something with you. All right. With the Jews returned to Zion and the United States demised, the prince of the power of the air arises. Thus the beast's ascension is nigh. From the eternal sea he rises, placing his mark on every shore, turning man against his creator until man exists no more. That, I guess we'll call it a quatrain, if you will, is from Lord Nefarious. And it is the opening line to my next book that releases on December 15th. We just finished... All of the particulars yesterday, uh, the manuscript is done, uh, the contract is finished, everything is done. It will be released on December 15th. I'll let you know later on when pre-sales and those sorts of things become available. But the name of the book is A Nefarious Carol, and it will be a sequel to A Nefarious Plot. Now, I was not planning on doing a sequel to a nefarious plot. It wasn't on my radar. It's nothing we have even discussed here privately over the last few years. And and the main reason why is because I'm pretty confident the rest of my career, however long this mediocrity is permitted to ensue, uh, the rest of my career, I'm never writing anything better than that. 
And I'm kind of at the mindset that, yeah, I, I just don't like punching a clock. If I don't think it's got the potential to be great or important, I, I'm just not interested in investing in it just to fulfill a quota or a contract. So on April 21st, I woke up very, very early in the morning and I had an entire out of nowhere vision for a sequel to a nefarious plot. The outline, everything. I just woke up with it, uh, jotted it down, sent it off to uh, my my literary agent and began sort of uh, fleshing out what this would look like. And just as a nefarious plot, the first book uh, was a takeoff and an homage to one of my favorites and one of the all-time classics of, of Western literature, uh, Screwtape Letters. A Nefarious Carol will be the same. It will be another takeoff of an all-time classic and one of my favorite works, Dickens' A Christmas Carol. And the plot of the book, without any spoilers whatsoever, is one night a scared young woman is escaping an abusive relationship. And now that he is convinced that his underling Nefarious's plot to remove his, his last worldly obstacle to his ascension, the United States, now that he is confident that the United States has been conquered, the devil himself comes from out of the shadows and spends an evening trying to woo this desperate young woman into giving birth to his Antichrist. And what transpires between these two in this, just like A Christmas Carol, was a novella, meaning a, a book that's about half the size of a normal novel, meant to be uh, read in one sitting, so it kind of sticks in the craw of the reader. Uh, this will be a, a novella of similar length of A Christmas Carol. And it will only be five chapters. The offer, the past, the present, the future, and the close. Those will be the only five chapters. And what will transpire is you will see how the devil intends to woo this young woman. She has to agree of her own free will to do this. If she does not agree of her own free will, the ritual will not be successful. She has to agree of her own free will. It must be an act of devotion to give herself to him. She, she must become his bride. He can't force himself on her. He can't impose on her, nor can he deceive her. Just not in the way that he is used to deceiving people. He has to be honest with her about who he is and what his plans are. And what you will read in this book is essentially his attempt to woo this woman over the course of one night into offering herself in helping the devil realize the fullness of his master plan. Now, Todd, you have had a chance to read this book yes. because you have been editing the manuscript as I've been working on it for the last as couple of did months. It, yes. uh, any thoughts that you want to share without spoiling anything for the audience at all? Well, it's, it's a credit to your ability to write in different styles because right away after the first chapter and some of the suggestions I had in order to carry on, is that the you there's a there's undoubtedly an emotional sway to a nefarious plot but a lot of it 
is the way this show has an emotional sway. I mean, there's so much evidence and data. You're making it that the nefarious plot is still kind of like a, a a courtroom drama. I mean, you are providing evidence here. There is and only in five five chapters, and there, there's no data. It's it's very much human life, the ups and downs, and how it goes, and how you sell in moments with a turn of phrase or things like that. It was a different sell you had to make, and it was fun watching you do it consistently, chapter by chapter. Because in a short book like that, if if you lose them in one chapter, y- y- there's no point in going on. You don't have enough time to recover. Right. So it's gotta be pitch perfect. Each and every time. Yeah, every chapter has to land. Yes. In, in this kind of a format. Agreed. And and why is it patterned after Dickens or Christmas Carol? Because that is a story where uh, the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future come to persuade Ebenezer Scrooge to, uh, to change his life trajectory, right? Well, um, the enemy uh, intends to, to walk our main female character through her past, present, and future. And one night, just like the ghost do for Ebenezer Scrooge, he intends to walk her through her past, present, and future in one evening in order to convince her to change the trajectory of her life as well, just with a far darker turn. It's kind of like a reverse, you know, that many Christians have it on their wall, the, the footprints. Yeah. Where two, there's the two footprints s- in the sand. Two yeah. sets and one goes away. Yeah. And where, and where were you then? Was well, That's when I was carrying you. Yeah. This is kind of like the devil's demonic turn on it. Like he has a different version of where the footprints were during her times in her life. So December the 15th is the release date. Uh, it just in time for Christmas, a nefarious carol. Circle your calendars, and and we'll be keeping you up to date on when the cover is ready to go, when pre-sales begin online, etc. And now, with that big announcement that uh, we teased uh, on social media last night out of the way, here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away? Brought to you by Locking It Down Again. California Governor Gavin Newsom tweets, COVID-19 cases continue to spread at alarming rates. California is now closing indoor operations statewide for restaurants, wineries, movie theaters, family entertainment, zoos, museums, card rooms, and all bars must close all operations. Or maybe not. The Orange County, California School Board voted yesterday to allow schools to open next month with in-person instruction. Students and teachers can choose to attend classes without masks and no social distancing required. Or maybe not. Again, the Los Angeles Teachers Union released their statement of demands yesterday before they'll start teaching again. Those demands include charter schools being shut down, Medicare for all, a wealth tax, a property tax increase, defunding the police, financial aid for illegals, and a federal bailout for California schools. In New York, Governor Andrew Cuomo continues his campaign of gaslighting and retconning his record on the coronavirus. Trump's COVID scandal makes what Nixon did at Watergate look innocent. Nobody died in the Watergate scandal. Thousands of people are going to die 
in this COVID scandal. In Texas, Division of Emergency Management Chief Nim Kidd says you need to wear a mask even inside. One thing I want to try to get across today is we need to do that when we're in our homes also. As you know, I'm, I'm a lifelong San Antonian, grew up there, worked there for many years, and I know how many multi-generational families that we have. I think it's no secret we all like to relax when we're at home. But if we're not paying attention to how the virus spreads outside or inside the home, we're going to keep spreading this virus. Back to the culture war, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio tweets, To whoever vandalized our mural on Fifth Avenue, nice try. New York City DOT has already fixed it. The Black Lives Matter movement is more than words, and it can't be undone. Meanwhile, you can't ride the subway in New York City without risking your life. That knife attack video was from over the weekend. A man drove his car into a Catholic church in Ocala, Florida last Saturday and set it on fire while parishioners were inside. Nobody was injured, but the church received extensive damage. The 24-year-old suspect was later apprehended and told police of his anti-Christian animus being the motivation for his attack. Two other churches were burned over the weekend, a Catholic church in California and a Pentecostal church in Alabama. The causes for those two fires are still undetermined. In Indianapolis, a 24-year-old and mother of one, Jessica Whitaker, was shot and killed by Black Lives Matter thugs after she got into an argument with them and uttered the words, All Lives Matter. Sports Illustrated has introduced its first trainee swimsuit model because even on that level, you must be made to care. Up until this morning, when you went to the NBA's website, you couldn't buy a custom jersey that reads, Free Hong Kong, but you could customize your jersey to read, Kill Cops, so that's totally legit. And now, does it woke, dissecting videos from across the internet and determining if they woke. Now, this video comes from an unidentified location, possibly Washington, D.C., where it appears a freedom fighter was accosted by a group of armed guys in camouflage, so we'll start there. The overwhelming presence of what appears to be military is already disconcerting. Everybody knows when you go out to riot and loot, you must always outnumber the pigs, so that's minus five points already. As we continue with the video, the person taking the video remarks she's a Marine Corps veteran. So that's another minus one point as she's obviously using her privilege as a member of the systematically oppressive system. At this point, however, things start to turn around. The dude who's being arrested starts shouting, I am a woman! I am a woman. So that's plus one point for being a tranny and proud of it. After he starts shouting, you can hear another peaceful protester saying in the background, quote, I hope the Taliban shoots you one day, mother... So that's plus three points for an aggressive stance against the white male patriarchy of the United States military. Back to the dude on the ground who exclaims, Now that's minus one point for saying you're not all right while being a tranny, but plus three points for being a victim. Again, he's a tranny and proud of it, and he gets another point for demanding the police accept his truth. That's another plus one point. Unfortunately, the video cuts off there, and we end up with a total woke score of plus two points. So unfortunately, the video is just barely woke. And that's what happened while we were away. What do you do when you're not even the best thing on your own show? Like, I mean, I gotta, I gotta feel like the next hour and a half, and I kind of just feel like I should just Homer Simpson into the bushes gif away, or me, you know? I mean, that is... 
If Trump would just let Aaron take over the optics of the campaign. <laughs> nice. Aaron's montage brought to you by our friends over at Keeps. Have you noticed your hair isn't looking as full as you used to? Yeah, losing your hair is no fun. So let's talk about options. You can go to the doctor for a hair loss treatment, get a prescription, then visit the pharmacy, and then try not to go broke as you avoid going bald. Um, or you can keep uh, you can try Keeps from the comfort of your own home. Uh, because you'll get the same doctor-recommended FDA-approved hair loss treatment, but Keeps offers the generic version, so they're about half the cost. And one more thing you'll love about Keeps is that it's all online. You just answer a few questions, snap a few pictures of your hair, and a licensed doctor will review your info and recommend the right hair loss treatment for you. And then it is shipped discreetly to your door. And you don't need to make unnecessary trips and spend more money than you have to. Plus, they'll even give you a special offer on top of their already existing existing discount. You can go to keeps.com slash grow right now. Keeps, K-E-E-P-S, keeps.com slash grow. Get 50% off your first order at keeps.com slash grow. All right, let's get to what is in Aaron's montage. The California thing. So California began reopening a month ago. California is the living repudiation of every lockdown narrative scam, lie, fake news that you have been sold. California did everything Team Apocalypse wanted. Did it all. And it even opened a full month later than Texas and Arizona did. A month and a half later than Georgia and Iowa did. I know. I know when California reopened. Do you know how I know? Because I was there the very week it did. I was there the very week it reopened. Uber was still running at about 20% its normal business. I was at LAX twice. Arrived in on a weeknight. Dead. Ghost town, man. I mean, seriously, you could have had a Western showdown in the hallway. The only thing you could hear was a smattering of female workers at the airport with no work to do sitting around. Uh, very loudly and in, a, in the cattiest fashion imaginable, gossiping about their coworkers. That's all you heard. It just careened off the walls at LAX because there wasn't a soul there. Nobody there. Flew out of there on a Saturday afternoon, got through TSA to my terminal, and even with a stop to take a leak, I did that all in 10 minutes on a Saturday afternoon at LAX. Nobody there. Nobody there. And this is when it was reopened. We went to restaurants on a Friday night, 7 o'clock, popular restaurant in Burbank. On a Friday night, showed up, no reservation, at a 7 o'clock. At 7 o'clock on a Friday night, just walked right into our table. No, wait. No one, like no one was out. We drove from Burbank on Saturday morning to LAX for me to catch my flight home. In like 20 minutes. That's like unheard of. Unheard of. I mean, my ride picked me up two and a half hours before my flight left. Could not believe how quickly we got there. Remember, I took pictures of me making the uh, pilgrimage to the Rose Bowl? Yes. And by the Keith Jackson, uh, oh, Nelly, the Keith Jackson statue. You know why we got to do that? We were actually nowhere near Pasadena. There was just so little traffic on the road when I asked uh, Chris Jones at Believe Entertainment if he wouldn't mind making a little detour if we had time. 
He's like, any other, anything else going on, there's no way we could make a little detour in Southern California to anywhere and not have it be an hour and a half unless it's 3 a.m. But we were able to do this with no problem at all. 15, 20 minutes out of our way. Stopped, pulled over. No one was out. I just walked right up to the thing. There was no one outside. No one doing a thing. It was dead. Dead. The few people that were out wore masks everywhere. I saw people wearing masks in their cars. I was all over Hollywood, Southern California, Los Angeles, Burbank, uh, Pasadena, all over Southern California for, what, three, four days. Nothing happening. Masks were everywhere. If the lockdown didn't work in Southern California, then they don't work. Guys, they're a farce. They don't stop anything other than your way of life. They don't accomplish anything. California did everything white. Everything. everything well, right according to Team Apocalypse. Did everything Team Apocalypse wanted them to do. Still surging with new cases. Because it was here all along, and it's too late to lock it down. As we've been telling you since March. It's too late to lock it down. I know we've spent a good deal of time for the last 10 to 20 years here in conservative media trying to forget California was, was a part of the union. But I would urge our brethren in conservative media to rediscover California. Because it's America's Sweden. Just in reverse. Oh, by the way, do you know they didn't, haven't reported like a death in Sweden in the last two days? See that? I did. Sweden yeah. who? Yeah, exactly. California, no, is now America's Sweden, but in reverse. Okay? It demonstrates that everything you're being sold in the media, the whole panic scam, it's a scam. That it doesn't, at, at best, at best, it's just bad policy. That's the best case scenario, is that it's just bad policy. Let, do we even want to contemplate the other scenario, the worst we case scenario? We should, because it's not just bad policy. Okay, then if it's not just bad policy, the worst case scenario is that this is a form of invasion. That's what it is. It's, it's an aggressive move by your government against you. That rings true. That's the worst case scenario, but it's one of the two. It's either just a lot of collective dumb or it's malevolence. Incompetence or malevolence. We seemingly have that choice a lot these days. Have you guys noticed that? Mm -hmm. There are other choices. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like there to know. No, there's not. And that's the problem. I would like there to be other choices. How many flavors are there at Baskin Robbins? 31. We only get two flavors, though. Incompetence or malevolence. All right, those the, the two demons that are skulking over America. One is called incompetence and the other one is called malevolence. Those are our only two options, apparently. But California is a repudiation of every lie you've been told for the last four months. Oh, by the way, do you guys remember the county where the antibody testing showed it had actually like the highest seroprevalence? In America, well, until until New York State reached herd immunity by killing uh, thirty thousand of its elderly, okay, until New York State did that, right? But do you remember way back when, when we were first beginning the antibody tests? Do you remember the county 
that showed it had the highest seroprevalency in America. Was- Los Angeles County. Yeah. Los Angeles County. And USC did that study. When was that? Like like a week or two after the Stanford study came out? Mm-hmm. So we're, we're back two months ago, at least in May, oh, yeah. early May, right? Yeah, that was Los Angeles County. And teacher unions are a cult, right? You've heard me. I, it's been years since you've heard me rail against them just because I've given up on the schools. I, I spent the first half of my career really working on a local and national level to try to redeem them. And I just don't think they're redeemable at their current state. Not not because the teacher unions are smart. I just don't think it's, I can get enough parents to, to actively get involved at that level. Maybe you can at an individual district and God bless you if you can, okay? But on a macro level, too many parents just have decided that these are glorified daycare centers and don't care. Do you agree at this point? Some You either pick the fight or the fight picks you. I don't think Trump can even pick the fight anymore. This is the fight. Yeah, if he the loses this fight, he won't, I don't believe he gets reelected. That's it. It's just this. The, the, the teacher unions are a cult. They're the, they're, they're the most partisan cult in America, and they have been for I, I don't know how long. I mean, it, it's, it's essentially um, the, the Ministry of Information for the Democratic Party. That's what the teacher unions are. And you see in L.A. County the demands they're making. They're, they're essentially just making Marxist policy demands that have nothing mm-hmm. to do with the safety in schools at all. Because they don't care about the safety in schools. They care about the Marxist policy demands. You ever looked at the agenda? I don't know if they still do this at Eagle Forum, but every year when she was alive and she ran it, Phyllis Schlafly would print out and publish the agenda at the NEA's national convention. And about this much of it would be on education. And about this much would be on cultural Marxism. Because that's the real priority here, is the indoctrination of your children. And... We've been waiting for a Republican to pick a fight in, against the teacher unions most of my life. Well, Trump has to. And it he, he seems like he's willing to some degree. I don't know if he truly understands what he's up against. But it's a fight that he has to win. Because if you don't reopen schools, you won't reopen America. And I don't believe Donald Trump will win. He has to win. This is a fight that he has to beat these people. He's got to win this one. All right? More in a moment. You know, getting involved in the real estate market anytime can be stressful. And uh, it doesn't matter, even if the market is good, if there's certainty going on, you still want to make sure you can find a real estate agent that you can trust. And that's not always easy to do. It's not like you can go on the website of your local realtor, wherever you live in the country, and it's going to say right there when you click on it, hey, in the interest of full disclosure, if I can't sell your home in a few weeks, I'm going to get bored and move on to somebody that I think can make me money. Then I could just tell you that flat out, right? They're not going to just put on their website, hey, my marketing plan is we just keep having open houses, three people attend weekend after weekend after weekend, and I probably will stop showing up. They don't put that on their websites either. So how do you find a real estate agent you can trust, which is even more vital right now, given the uncertainty that is happening in the market as we speak? The name says it all. Go to the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. All the agents listed there have been fully vetted no matter where they are all over the country with a proven track record of success. So if you're going into the real estate market, make sure you go in with an agent that is all in for you. And you're going to find him or her at realestateagentsitrust.com. 
So last week on this show, we spent a good deal of time talking about what we think might be the last, the last tool in the toolbook or toolbox, the, the last play in the playbook, the last thing standing between us as a people in national divorce. And it's, we used to just call it plain old civil disobedience, but our founders intended to apply a civic application to it, that we could do this, not just even on an individual level, but we could do this on a governmental level called the doctrine of the lesser magistrate, that we would still uphold the law. We would still uphold the Constitution, our freedoms at a, at, at, at a state level if the feds didn't want to, at a local level if the state didn't want to, at a municipal level if the city didn't want to, right? On down the line so that there would be multiple layers of government that were intended to protect you and I's individual freedom. Is there an example of what we're talking about? Watch this video. It's the 4th of July. We're celebrating America's freedom. America's birthday. When we said no to tyranny and oppression. When we said no to a government that we had no representation in. Our founding fathers and 3% of the population. Did you guys know that? 3% of the population fought. Actually fought in the Revolutionary War. Said no. They risked their lives, their livelihoods, everything that they had. To say no to an oppressive government. And then because of a minor virus, we turn around and say, oh, yes, please protect me, government. I will willingly give up my freedoms for a false sense of security. Do the math. Look at the numbers. I'm not saying this virus shouldn't be taken seriously. Not saying that at all. There is a certain percentage of the population that are extremely vulnerable to this, as they are any other cold virus or flu virus. We should do be doing what we can to protect them. But that being said, most of the stuff being done is not going to protect it. The CDC does not even know what's going on. Have you noticed? Every two or three weeks, they're going back and contradicting themselves or saying something different than what they did. First of all, I just want to be clear with everybody. I'm a local politician. I'm a county supervisor in central Iowa, which means if you start getting on my page and start commenting and you're from Georgia, California, wherever, doesn't really matter. I don't care. You don't live in Jasper County. You're not one of my constituents. You're not one of the residents that I am elected to represent. So I don't really care what you have to say. It reminds me years ago, I came into work when I was a local radio host here in Iowa on WHO. And my general manager uh, comes to me and says, hey, we are getting crushed right now with emails and um, and and uh, I think was it Keith Oberman that used to do worst person in yes. the world? I was his worst person in the world from Des Moines, Iowa. And so we're getting destroyed with emails, okay? And so we got to refer this to corporate because we've never seen anything like this. And corporate down in San Antonio did like an IP audit of where all these emails came from. And what we found is that every one of these emails, but two, came from out of state. All but two. And the two that came from in-state came from the most liberal county in Iowa. But the rest of them all came from like Hawaii and all. They were just responding to what they had seen. On, and, but, but they didn't say that in their emails. They were saying, oh, hey, you know, I'm, I, I can't listen to WHO anymore. What did Rush call, used to call these seminar callers? These were like seminar emailers. 
I can't listen to your station anymore. I'm turning it off. I'm ashamed of WHO. And so we got all this mass volume of notes, and only two of them were actually within our listening range. Just a total scam. And I hadn't thought about that for years until I just saw what Brandon Talsma did there uh, to the people coming onto his own Facebook page. Do we have him with us here? He is, I believe so. Are you still there, Brandon? It looks like we just froze up right before that. <laughs> Rural Iowa. <laughs> yes. That's, I'll get him back on. All right, we'll get him back on. Brandon Talsma, the guy in that video, is going to join us here in a second. He is a supervisor in Jasper County, Iowa. Um, and it's one of the neighboring, it's, you know, a couple counties over from where we live here in Polk. And, um, that's an example of what we're talking about here Yeah, with the doctrine of the lesser magistrate, the, the local official who refuses to deny their oath of office just because the people above him are denying theirs. I think we have Brandon with us now. Brandon, welcome to the show. How are you? Good, Steve. How about yourself? Uh, it could be a lot better, but I could be a lot worse, brother. So... Tell me about why you've de- why you decided to put yourself out there and and point out the absurdity of continuing lockdowns that have not saved anything. I mean, if the lockdowns worked, why is California going back into lockdown as we speak? They were one of the most lockdown states in the union. So why did you decide, Brandon, to go ahead and take a step out there, knowing the slings and arrows were going to come your way if you did? Yeah, did we lose him again? I think we lost him again. All right. So dang. We'll try one more time. We had him this entire time. We'll try one more time. Right when we tried to talk to him. I think uh, while you're trying to line him up, the point that he made there see, a lot of your politicians are way too sensitive to who the comments are from and the emails and everything else without paying attention to are they even your constituents? Are they even your constituents? Because in a lot of cases, they're not. And so in the future, wherever you live around the country, if, you're, if, one, if, you're, if your politician comes to you and says, oh man, I was going to take a stand on this and now that I can't because we're just getting killed, make sure you make him or her quantify for you. Who are these people contacting you? Who are they emailing you? They ever come to one of your events? Have you ever seen them around the community you represent? Have you seen them around your town? You seen them at a school function? Um, are they? Are, are how do you know they are who they say they are? Because I am convinced the American left, on purpose, organizes attempts to dominate comments sections of of popular websites, blogs, in order for you to feel like it's so pointless to engage here. I'm one against a million. Why would I even do this? Why would I even attempt it? When a lot of times these are just the same people over and over and over again. Still nothing? Looks like we might have them. Brandon, are you there? Yeah, can you guys hear me? Right. We can hear you. We can this hear time. you. Let's try yeah. one last time here, Brandon. Why did you decide to to step out here and take the slings and arrows on this? Well, I, to, to be honest with you, I debated about doing it for quite some time, and finally, I just got to the point where I was feeling called like I needed to do it. Like I needed to 
Yeah, I don't think it's going to work. Unfortunately, no. No, not going to work. And I, I, I tell you what, we had him. I saw him moving around on the screen the entire time during the break. And then right when we wanted to talk to him, of course, nothing. Uh, but it, this is an important conversation to have twofold. It's a great uh, example of the doctrine of lesser, lesser magistrates that we've been talking about a lot on the show. In the video, you didn't hear it in the clip, but in, in the video that he made, he said, you know what? Uh, the reason why we shut down the courthouse here at the local level is because we were scared, uh, scared that if we did have a big outbreak in our county, that we would be on the hook for it. And he vowed, he vowed never to do that again. And then it's also another important example as well along the lines of what you were talking about, Steve, is, you know, the local media here just aghast, pearl clutched when he made that video and he started talking about uh, the virus and started basically talking common sense like we've been trying to do on this show for a matter of months now, started talking uh, common sense. He gets all this blowback from the local media. He makes that follow up video just basically saying, I don't care. If you're not one of my constituents, I don't care. And you know what happened after that? Crickets. That's that's all it takes, isn't it? That's all it takes. He just called their bluff. He basically. called their bluff, yeah. and they left him alone after see, that. See, much of this, much of, and th- this is the maybe the great frustration of my whole career. Much of what we are imprisoned by is a bluff. Let's let's take the courts for example. They can't order anything because they can't implement their own orders. They can't implement their own court orders. They can't make a state a community. They can't make a a universal injunction. Can't do anything unless you comply with it. It's a bluff. It's just a bluff that people will just say, well, I guess there's nothing we can do. Courts have spoken and we just, you know, like, like lemmings just go right over the cliff. Somebody hit a button and we can't stop. We couldn't possibly, we're automatons. We could not possibly think for ourselves. So we're just going to dutifully follow the order to slice our own throats because the courts have spoken. It's all a bluff. There's not like a marshal of the Supreme Court. Hell, they don't even have a Rusty the Bailiff like Wapner had. Okay, they can't enforce anything, anything that they put on a, a, a body politic. Nothing. They can't enforce anything. Well, I mean, they could hold a governor or somebody in contempt. Okay. Is the state Supreme Court judge going to come and arrest the governor? Who would arrest the governor? Who would arrest a governor for saying, you know what? In my state, we're just not killing babies here. And I don't give a turd what someone said in 1973 in Roe versus Wade before we had 3D, 4D prenatal technology. Take that, you know, and shove it. I'm not doing it. Well, they're sending the sheriff. Who, well, who's the sheriff work for? Who's the sheriff work for? Do you know what branch of government that is? It's the executive branch. Who's the head of the executive branch in any state? Who runs it? The governor does. So, if you notice that the people who have all the real power are the, are the branches and politicians you vote for, have you noticed that? I think that was planned think that was the intent all along that the people that would you would directly vote for that would directly report to you be accountable to you for their elections and re-elections were the ones actually given the power and the ones that aren't directly accountable to you 
that even in some cases get lifetime appointments, weren't really given any power to act on anything that they might think. Do you think that's just a random coincidence? Maybe it was the plan all along. That's how this is supposed to work. Same thing works with the media. Same thing works with social media. I remember the first time someone told me when I tweeted something out controversial, you're going to get ratioed. I didn't know what it meant. And now I do know, and I care less. I don't, I don't care. I don't care. And I don't care. And did I mention, I don't care. I don't care. So the, the local news is losing its mind. Okay, I lost the, every vote in the newsroom at the local news at the local news channel. What's that? Twenty votes? Okay, whatever. Who cares? Who cares? And and they're only reaching people that were never voting for somebody like me anyway. So now they're really not. Like now they're showing up even earlier to not vote for me than they would have before. Like they're going to wait until they got off of work. Now they're going to now they're going to do it first thing in the morning. You know to really send a message. I don't. I don't care. I don't. I don't care. Too many of us do care, though. And so we fall for the bluff. I, I can't have them say these things about me. Why? What? Why? Can you give me a reason why you can't? Why? The media will kill me. So? I, okay. This is why when everybody comes to you, Steve, asking for a plan, what do we do next? The, the, the problem isn't really that there is no plan. The, the plan in many respects is what it's always been. The problem is what, exactly what you're talking about. They care too yeah. much. If you care what the people who are trying to destroy your country and hate your guts think about you, yeah. there is no plan around that. Exactly. There's, there's no plan. There's, there's, there's no plan for that. I mean, that's, in fact, that's, that's like step one, two, three, four, and five. I don't, I don't care. I don't, I don't care. Yeah, that's, that's me. Still not caring. Actually, I care even less than I cared before, and I didn't care before. So I really don't care. Why do you care? What's it matter what that one dude at church says? So what? Who cares? What's the matter with the op-ed page of your newspaper that no one who would ever think of voting for you ever cares what they say? Why do you care? Why? Why do you care? I, I really, I'm just telling you, that that's the number one enemy I have encountered in my career is how much we care what other people think. That's the number one enemy. And I don't know how to slay that one. You know, we all kind of have to do that in our own, in our own lives. You know, it, it, I have my demons, man. I, I believe me. I have my crosses to bear. I have my red light districts. Okay, but in the home I grew up in, I had to learn not to care because I, you know, uh, rampant uh, affirmation wasn't on the table, man. Most of the time. If you're sitting around waiting to get affirmed all the time, yeah, you might end up being like a teenage suicide statistic. I had to learn. 
not to care what other people thought because it would drive me nuts trying to please Dave Dace on a given day who knew what pleased him that has served me well in this line of work now for those of you that grew up in good homes I don't know how to get you to a point that you don't care what other people think but I can promise you this you have no chance of defeating your enemy until you get to that point hour two is next with hour two live and on demand on blaze tv radio and podcast steve dace here with totters and aaron mcintyre and all of you at 888-900-3393 that's 888-900-3393 steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us that's d-e-a-c-e like us on facebook follow us on twitter at steve dace show and you can also follow us at parlor at Steve Dace 2 and then youtube.com slash Steve Dace. Go to our new YouTube page, subscribe there, and get free clips of this show that you can sample for yourself and then share with others. If you're a podcast listener to the show, thank you very much. Uh, we appreciate you taking out uh, some portion of your time at your convenience to tune in. But if you do so, we ask two favors. One, you hit that subscribe button wherever you podcast from. And then two, you leave us a five-star review if you haven't already because those help the show to grow. We've gotten thousands of them already. Thank you to each and every one of you. If you missed it at the top of the program today, we made a big announcement. My next book will drop on December the 15th. December the 15th, A Nefarious Carol. It is a sequel to A Nefarious Plot with a bit of a dark Christmas twist. And again, we'll let you know when we get closer to when the pre-sales and begin and the, the cover is ready for public consumption and all those goodies. But uh, we finished the whole deal yesterday. A Nefarious Carol is getting released, my sequel, to A Nefarious Plot on December the 15th. All right, let's get to Fake News or Not, brought to you by our friends over at Home Title Lock. I couldn't believe we were being evicted from our home that we did not even sell. That's what Deborah said when she learned she was the victim of home title fraud, a devastating crime that can cost you your home in the worst of scenarios. And title fraud is not, I repeat, not covered by your homeowner's insurance. The only folks that you can trust to protect you are home title lock. Cyber thieves have discovered home titles are kept online these days, so they forge your name on your deed, stating you sold your home to them and then refile as the new owner. And in Deborah's case, she didn't know she was a victim until she got that eviction notice home title lock puts a virtual barrier around your home's title the instant they detect tampering they mobilize to shut it down but first things first go to hometitlelock.com right now and register your address to see if you're already a victim and you don't even know it like what happened to deborah and then while you're there if you want to sign up for 30 free days of protection 30 free days of protection you can do so using the promo code steve at hometitlelock.com that's the promo code steve for 30 free days of protection at hometitlelock.com. All right, are we ready to go? Probably not, considering the topic, but let's do it. All right, this is a, a something we've never done before on fake news or not. And of course, we're not sitting here fact-checking MSNBC. We, we know they're lying. We don't care. Right, we've moved on. I'm, I'm not fact-checking Pravda, TASS, Russia Today, or Al Jazeera for the same reasons. All right? Um, but we are interested in fact-checking the people that claim to be either speaking on behalf of or speaking to what's left of America. And for the first time ever, I have determined that you two, 
Todd and Aaron, you're going to render a fake news or not verdict on Trump tweets. All right. So I have selected five tweets from the president of these United States over the last couple of days. So these are very, very recent. We'll go through these one by one. And then you guys will tell us if you think it is fake news or not. And why, Todd, it looks to me like you are very hesitant about doing this. Just keep the camera on my face all the time. You might find the exact point my soul just shatters on this one. (laughs) I had several people, including uh, one of our mucky mucks here at The Blaze, emailed me yesterday. When they saw our video going after the the latest video going after the panic porn. And when we come up to the, the one where... Business Insider ran the headline, Sweden is now reporting zero deaths. But here why that here's why that may not be good news. Oh. All right. And Aaron, you flashed the camera yeah. over to Todd. No, my wife, that was the first thing that she said about and, that video. And, and you've got this like deadpan look on your face of just chloroformed, disgust, <laughs> and no oxygen in the room at the same time. I want to punch People all loved the things. It. All of them punched. Yes. Yeah, that's you kind of have a modified. He has a modified version of the look on his face right now about this, doesn't he? He does. Oh, yeah. it won't be modified for long. Notice I didn't ask you guys if you thought this was a good idea. I just decided <laughs> let's do this. All right, here is Trump tweet number one. All right, the silent majority will reign! Exclamation point. Fake news or not, Todd? I've got to go to you first. Uh, fake news. Uh, first, it doesn't count if it's not in all caps. Those are your rules, not mine. So, uh, and yeah, you, 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 you might win, but there's not some silent majority just sitting there right now that has already decided Commodus style. No. I, I don't believe that for a second. It, to the degree that there may have been something, you have done things uh, since the lockdowns to already sour many of those people. And just enough of them have to stay home to throw this whole thing out of whack. And you didn't win last time uh, because there was some grand known quantity called the silent majority there were new voters that had often sat on the sidelines there were new some new voters that voted for uh, not new voters but uh had voted for obama but came over this time uh but that doesn't mean necessarily they were anything other than you know people that can easily sway with the wind there just simply isn't a thing called the silent majority aaron what do you think uh, this is absolutely fake news because the vocal minority is what's reigning right now. I mean, if the silent majority yes. did reign and will reign, why aren't they reigning right now? And it's pretty clear. I mean, is <clears throat> is Seattle and Portland still on fire? I'm sure somewhere in on those streets, I'm sure there's still a fire burning right now, or or Antifa, BLM people are, are still burning, um, you know, homeless people's belongings, what belongings they have, you know, it, it just complete anarchy. And um, uh, anarchical decadence, let's say that, reigning on the streets of America still. Not as much as it was a a month ago, but Lord, I I don't, I mean, what is the silent majority? Can we discuss that for a second? Because I, I wonder if we need to consider that this is now being applied in a context we've not addressed before. Okay. And, and so for my age group, for our age group, Todd, 
mm-hmm. and the boomer generation that's ahead of us in Gen X. The silent majority has traditionally been defined as the people that don't respond to polls, the people that don't follow mainstream media that are often ignored and then show up and shock everybody on election day when the Republicans win. Is that fair? Okay. Yeah, I think so. And, and, and we could add or subtract, but I'm trying to give you the pithiest definition I can so we can, you know, keep the conversation moving. Is it possible that our definition of silent majority is outdated and that's why the silent majority no longer exists? Something we haven't talked about today yet because it just broke as we were already plotted out with the show is Barry Weiss her resignation uh, from uh, the New York Times earlier today, and and she publicized it. And she says that basically Twitter is the editor at large of the New York Times, right? That's essentially what she says in her resignation letter. Is it possible now that Twitter is what runs the NBA? Twitter's what runs the NFL? But yet it's a social media platform that I've told you on many occasions, almost 80% of Americans don't have an account on almost 80 percent of twitter accounts are outside of the u.s and so was it last year 2017 or 2018 when pew did a study and found that something like 90 percent of the tweets americans see come from three percent of american twitter users or something along those lines right Mm -hmm. and and so is it possible now aaron because the the silent majority now means non-twitter america because if that's what it means, then it, then then if it mean if he means that, then that that could his presidency is evidence to the fact that that can but, that can still take place, right? That mean that if it means something that it used to different than it used to mean. If we're saying non-Twitter America, even is the silent majority does, it, does that change? Uh, no, I don't I don't really think so. Because even so, it goes back to what I say about I mean we all agree to whatever extent the antifas and Black Lives Matter of the world, they are the minority in this country. They're just very, very vocal. We would all agree to that, Mm -hmm. at least somehow. Mm -hmm. So they are the ones who are setting the agenda. They are the ones who are reigning right now. So I don't think that makes, I don't think think that changes, um, even if you change the definition of what the silent majority is, I don't think that changes that that tweet is fake news. Okay, okay. And the silent majority, Listen, you say all the time that how many people out there, Twitter, and, and you never ca- ca- uh, catch says having to do with Twitter specifically, how many people out there do you know that are still like, I don't know who to choose between that, that, that Those people don't exist, and if they do, it's a sliver compared to whatever the old silent majority right. was. And that old silent majority also wasn't just a Republican thing. Agreed. It was a group you had to sway and yeah. sell. Agreed. So... I, at the very least, I think maybe the definition of what this term even means is different than what it used to be. Whether it still applies or not is a different debate, mm-hmm. but I think it may mean something different than it used to mean at the same time. Uh, let's get to Trump tweet number two. So hard to watch Fox News anymore. They are working so hard against the people, viewers that got them there. Their contributors are a disaster and all over the place. The radical left has scared Fox into submission, just like they have so many others. Sad, but we will win. Exclamation point. Aaron, fake news or not? Well, this is hard for me to say because the only clips of Fox News that I basically ever watch is uh, is from Tucker Carlson recently, especially. And uh, if you're calling that a disaster, then you're basically calling how, however, how, over four million people he averaged in, in the first quarter of mm-hmm. of this year watching his show. You're calling them 
uh, a disaster. Or no, you're calling them uh, so hard to watch or what they pr- prefer to watch so hard to watch. So I guess it depends on on what show you're watching. I haven't I don't I don't make it a habit to watch Sean Hannity. I know you love that show, Steve. You're I mean, that's Never a point, miss it. That's appointment v- Except viewing all the for times you. that I do. Yeah. 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 That's definitely appointment viewing for you. So I don't really know. I don't know what he's talking about there. I, I really I really don't. They're definitely not. Um, there's that. There's that Babylon B graphic where they basically break down the way it's the, the way Trump saying good morning is spun through all the various uh, news outlets <laughs> on OAN. It's glorious leader makes uh, sun to rise from the east again on Fox News. It's uh, Donald Trump unveils his plan to make mornings great again uh, on Vice. It's I slept with uh, lesbians and did LSD to show how mornings are transphobic, you know. So uh, on that That's spectrum, great. on that spectrum. Fox News is definitely not glorious leader. And so maybe that's it's not glorious leader full time. So I, I guess maybe that that's that's what they're talking about. You, you're you're invoking of OEN. I'm sorry. I had to pull out my phone and grab this. All right. Made me think of this. Nate Silver at 538. Oh, yes. Tweeted this out earlier today. Uh, Gravis Marketing has released five polls of the presidential race in the past several weeks. Three were for one American news and three weren't. Here's what they showed. Okay. The three for one American news had um, not Trump winning North Carolina by three, Georgia by three, Arizona by four. The two that were not for one American news network had Biden winning Florida by 10 and Minnesota by 16. <laughs> yeah, you sent me that this morning. And I did not know what to make of that. I, I'm just telling you, even in even in our upside down world, there is no realm, no realm. And no, Todd, you won't talk me into this. You won't. There is no realm where Donald Trump wins North Carolina and then loses Florida by 10 or vice versa. No, that doesn't have no, nope, nope. Only, well, you know what? I'll come up with one way it could happen. One way. <laughs> he talked himself I did. It took like three seconds. Only because we've seen this precedent. If, if Ron DeSantis's body is possessed by Andrew Cuomo. Oh. And he does to the nursing home population of his state, which is which is far more extensive than the one in New York state. All right, if he does to the massive elderly population in Florida with Chris Cuomo, I'm sorry, Andrew Cuomo attempted and almost succeeded in eradicating, which was his, then it could happen. Okay? But there's just no way Donald Trump wins North Carolina and gets destroyed in Florida or wins Florida and then loses that's no, no. That these two things can't possibly occur at the same time. So anyway, back to the Trump tweet, Todd. Fake news or not? Fake news. If there is, and this is tied into the last tweet, if there is something that's actually a silent majority right now, isn't it the kind of voter who voted for him last time holding his nose or her nose, but now it's just like, show me the money. Who does that describe? Like right now, Fox News for all intents and purposes, is Tucker Carlson. That's the silent majority. That's a good point. And you're yeah. just th- you're going to just throw that under the bus. If you really cared about the silent majority, you wouldn't be tweeting this. You would be recognized that Tucker and his audience begging and pleading, we will pull the lever, but for the love of God, fight. Do something. Anything. Yeah. <sighs> You make a good point there that right now Tucker Carlson 
is has is rebranding Fox News in the minds of a lot of people. At least temporarily, but yes. At, at least at this moment. Yes. Who knows how long it will last. Um, I don't watch enough of Fox to render a verdict on this as it stands right now. But what he says there was absolutely true before he ever emerged. I mean, I, I, I mean, I mean, I had to fight Fox News over Mitt Romney twice. Okay, I mean, that it's un, that's unquestionably true. I mean, those of us that worked or supported the Cruz campaign, remember how we had the most votes in Iowa in the history of the Iowa caucuses, but the whole thing was uh, on Fox the next day about Marco Rubio's glorious best ever in the history of the Cosmos third place finish. Right? What he says there has absolutely been true of Fox for years. It views itself as the Republican Party Overton window, gatekeeper. And the Republican Party agrees. It thinks it gets to decide which candidates are electable, who speak for the base, etc. And the number one thing, any almost anybody in conservative media until probably uh, several digital domains like us, Daily Wire, emerged to compete in this space. Prior to our emergence, the number one thing anybody wanted to do in our line of work was ultimately work where? Fox. Fox. Like, yeah. like if you, in sports media, where do you ultimately want to work? ESPN. ESPN, right? So I absolutely think that that's true and has been for years before anybody took Donald Trump seriously. How it applies, though, in this context, as you point out, with the, re- with the emergence of Tucker Carlson may mean something different than it used to and be also- as well. It's on Trump for whatever sense of uh, sweet nothings he had. I mean, listen, for the prostitute that was Fox to just lay down and do whatever for Donald Trump and for him to mess that up, that's on him, too. All right. Trump tweet number three for this week's fake news or not. Never in history have police been treated so badly as they are in Democrat-run cities, and these cities are a mess. Police must take a stronger stand with the radical left politicians that are treating them so badly and so disrespectfully. Triple exclamation points. Todd, fake news or not? That, that's true. That's true. Do you really think it's true, or do you, do you, are you feeling pressure like you, you have I- to give him a true on one of these? I feel no such pressure okay, to just, do Just so. wanted to clarify. No, I didn't think you did, no, but I wanted no, to clarify. I actually, right. I, okay. I, the, the, listen, and again, this comes from me. I have been unfairly treated by the police, but this, we're voting police out of existence. They're uh, seeking early retirement. The, the ones who aren't, the, the degradations that they are having to deal with on a daily basis are appalling. Of course, this is true. Aaron, fake news or not? It's not fake news. It's not fake news. It. I mean, goodness, you know, most of the largest cities in the United States are run by Democrats anyway, and far left Democrats at that. And so it's hard to, you know, when you have when you have bigger cities, what do you have more of? You have more people. When you have more people, what do you have more of? Human nature. When you have more human nature, you have human nature acting on its worst instincts more often. And so obviously there's going to be more run-ins with cops and human nature in bigger cities, especially high-density bigger cities. And when those big cities are run by Democrats who believe that human nature is essentially good and that the oppressed uh, or that the uh, that, that the ones doing wrong or evil or acting out on their basic nature are the oppressed, actually, 
then yes, that's a bad combination for those caught in the middle of those those two instincts. Can I go back to the silent majority conversation we had and what it means for just a second? Yeah. Do you guys mind? And we'll go back and then we'll finish up here. Okay. So on a given day, my Twitter feed, and this goes on every day, and it's gone on every day for years. It just, the names change. It's Bulwark, now it's the Lincoln Project, okay? It's always Trump, never Trump. It's yeah, whatever. There's a portion of my Twitter feed every day that is dominated by this. And, and a lot of them are names you would know, and some of them are friends of mine. Just dominated by the back and forth sniping of these two groups. Everywhere I've ever traveled around the country... Do you know how many times anyone, when, when they find out who I am or they know and they want to talk about it or have, or an, an email, the hundreds of emails I get every day, how many times anyone's ever emailed me about the bulwark or asked me about it or said a word about it? It's zero. I, I wouldn't have a clue what goes on there except for what, what is said about it on Twitter. So a guy that I casually know, but I haven't talked to in years. Ben Howe is trending right now on Twitter for getting fired over some sexist tweets. I've not even seen what he, what he did. But I haven't talked to Ben probably since the 2016 election. Okay? No one's ever, ever in my career ever asked me about Ben Howe's work. Ever. No one in my career has ever sent me a sample of it and said, hey, what do you think of this? Ever. Never happened. Ever. And I'm on one of the largest platforms every day in America every day for two hours. Right? Yes. No one's ever cited his work to me or asked me about it ever. Twitter says he has almost 20,000 more followers than me. Now forget whatever. I don't have a clue what he got fired for, what he said. I, I just saw it trending. All right. But sight unseen, just, just based on what you understand about conservative media and, and our audiences or media in general, would you rather have had prior to today, would you rather have had Ben House platform or Steve Dace's? Anyone would choose Steve Daces. Anyone would, just in terms of the sheer volume of numbers we can pull, access we have, right? Daily meeting. Anyone would, whether they agreed with what I said or liked his version of events better. That's not irrelevant. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about platform potency. Which platform would you rather have? Ben Howe's or mine? You'd rather have mine. You're telling me Ben Howe worked for the... Um, the bulwark? Uh, apparently it worked for the Lincoln, whatever the they're Lincoln calling project. themselves. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, okay. see, right. To answer your question, I had no idea he did. Okay. Yeah, I didn't either. I, did, I, I had no clue he was working for them either until I saw he was just trending on Twitter for getting fired by them. I didn't even know he was working for them. This is like another earth, right? Yes. And, and it's, it's another earth. The vast majority of Americans, regardless of whether they're voting Trump or Biden, are not even remotely aware of. I think we need to reconsider the term silent majority means something different. That since, since, the, since the whole political system lives on Twitter all day long, that silent majority doesn't mean what, we, what, what it meant for 30 years in America. That may just mean the people of America that don't have time to sit around and... and Engage cat, in a circular yes, self-pleasuring squad. Yeah, and, and just uh, catty, catty gossip each other and snipe at each other like mean girls on Twitter all day. Maybe that's what silent majority does mean now. I'm in. Okay. Just a point of order based on the conversation we had because it was trending right now on my feed. All right, let's go to number four. No radical left anarchist, agitators, looters, or protesters will not be knocking down 
or harming the Washington Monument, the Lincoln or Jefferson Memorials, or just about any other federal monument or statue, if they even try an automatic 10 years in prison, sorry. And again, I like to note the exclamation mark. Fake news or not, Aaron? Um, man, I, I overuse this, but... Um... Mama always says enforcing the laws is as enforcing the laws does. <laughs> um, Donald Trump, I don't, I don't know, because this, because uh, essentially you're asking, you're asking if Donald Trump is going to enforce what he says he's going to enforce. Is, is, isn't that the same as asking what Donald Trump will do at any point in the future? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. So I, I can't really make a declaration, just on hope. I hope not. So I, I hope this is not fake news. Todd? Yeah, that's that's probably fake news. Yeah, come on. I mean, this is there's been too many tweets like this. There's just been too many tweets yeah. like this where he has said he's going to do something. And it's probably because of his self-pleasuring sense of what Twitter is. I mean, you used to always tell me who's the one reporter early on in his presidency that he kept going to for... Haberman. Maggie yeah, Haberman. Yes. Like, yeah. I don't... Oh, this, and that, their relationship goes back years See, prior to him becoming president. You yeah. can't... If the silent majority is what we're talking about, it is. What he just said is utterly meaningless. He's Why? not... Because he, they're not there watching it. So you do it. Don't say that's it. That's a good point. Do it. I, well, I think there, there's a segment of our people we cannot ignore that just tweeting it is good enough. I don't I, think we, I don't, we, we can't ignore that that's true. We can't. Can't ignore that just tweeting it. Listen, the guy wouldn't have won the Republican nomination if that wasn't true. He had no record on any issue we cared about. So if just tweeting stuff didn't move a portion of our base, he wouldn't have won the nomination over 23 other guys in the first place. There's clearly a portion of our base that just tweeting things is, is good enough. You know, the, the stereotypical owning the libs crowd, that's, that's good enough for them. That's clearly true on some level. How many of those people exist? I don't know, but they clearly do. His, 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 his winning the nomination is, is proof of it. This tweet is like that damn commercial that's out there right now. Yesterday I watched it and I probably had that look on my face. When, when he's talking about cities will burn and cop, police won't even exist in Joe Biden's America. It's your America right now. Right now it is. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's fascinating to watch them run a campaign like they are the challenger when they're the incumbent. Maybe they'll be proven right. I don't know. I don't think they will be, but okay. Um, let's get to the final one. Final tweet I picked. Okay. The most, uh, this is something the president retweeted. And I just so love the fact that the guy that gave us the expression two and two when we were kids is like hardcore MAGA right winger. I love it. Uh, Chuck Woolery says the most outrageous lies are the ones about COVID-19. Everyone is lying. The CDC, media, Democrats, our doctors, not all, but most that we are told to trust. I think it's all about the election and keeping the economy from coming back, which is about the election. And I'm sick of it. The president retweeted that yesterday. Thoughts, 
Aaron, fake news or not? That's the least fake news so far on this segment. At least we think it is. Cause I just summarized well, this show for the last four months, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's the least fake news. I mean, the amount of lies that you have to wade through every single day, my my lord. I mean, it's it, it is it. You can't you can't go for like fifteen minutes on Twitter without being lied to. Fifteen minutes on television without being lied to 15 minutes on any form of electronic communication without being lied to the last four months. And I mean, we're talking lying. We're not talking like partisan spin in the media. No, lying. Flat out lying. Two plus two is five. Their speaking is not true. Objectively not true. Not a political spin, not a partisan spin. Objectively untrue. Todd, fake news or not? Yeah, but it's the whole retweet that's the issue. It's, it has nothing, it, whether Chuck... Anything needs to come from him. It's, well, it, that's fake news because, again, it, it's coming from Fauci, the CDC, all of these people that are doing this under the banner of your government. So it's on you again. You, you, at some point, what, you're firing people. You're saying this was a fraud. This was a manipulation of data. You're doing the stuff we've been doing since March. It's on you, Mr. President. I'm sorry. You you have an opportunity to bring in the entire the entirety of the Stanford scientific community there and never did and flip the script. You're not doing it. So I don't care about these tweets. If he loses in November, the number one reason why will be that he didn't fire Fauci and his lackey. Redfield or whatever his name is at CDC. Number one reason why. Number one reason why. Because whatever they've been up to or doing or not doing or not knowing how to do, whatever, you're, again, is it incompetence or malevolence, like we said earlier? Whichever one it is, it has paralyzed his administration for the bulk of this year, which happens to be an election year. That's kind of what you're talking about, mm-hmm. right? All right, we'll come back. Pop Culture Tuesday. I cannot wait to discuss this movie, Irresistible, by John Stewart of The Daily Show. Wow. We'll talk about it here in a moment. Back here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Let's get to Pop Culture Tuesday, brought to you by Rough Greens Vita Smart. If you haven't noticed, we humans are taking a lot of supplements today because a lot of the stuff our food is supposed to have and we really need has been taken out so that it can be uh, mass distributed and mass consumed cheaply for a long shelf life. So the vitamins, nutrients, omega oils, prebiotics, probiotics, a lot of the things we need are no longer there. So we get the food cheap, but then we have to spend money on the back end buying supplements to put them back into our body. Same thing has happened with our pet's food as well. That dry kibble stuff probably missing a lot of those uh, good for you things that your pet needs too, just like we do. And that's where Rough Greens Smart comes in. It is not a new dog food. It is a premium dog food supplement. You just sprinkle the powder on your dog's food. How does it taste? Well, apparently really good. I don't know. I haven't tried it myself, but our dog cap absolutely loves this stuff. And then 
then it's your dog's food the way it was meant to be. If you want to give it a shot right now, you can try the 14-day Jumpstart bag today for just $14.95 and see the difference in your dog in 14 days or less. When you go to roughgreens.com slash blaze, that's R-U-F-F, that's how it's spelled, for roughgreens.com slash blaze, that's roughgreens.com slash blaze. All right, let's get to Pop Culture Tuesday. And I have been dying to have this conversation since I came out of the theater Saturday afternoon. So I'm going to do my best not to spoil it. There's probably going to be some mild spoilers in here to even talk about this at all. So spoiler warning. If you plan on seeing this film, if the theater is not open where you live, you can rent it. It's like on Vudu, Amazon, a lot of the rental platforms. They're just they're just charging you that premium price they are for, what do they call it, theatrical run movies, right? Yeah, but it's about the same amount of if price. If you went to the movies, if, yeah, exactly. Or even cheaper if you're taking more than two people. Right, so, um, spoiler alert, three, two, one. This movie is not what you think it is at all. It's not what you think it is at all. Because of the John Stewart factor? Yes. And because, you know, in the trailers they talk about, you know, Chris Cooper's character is, you know, like a Bernie Sanders with bone density, like he's the perfect, you know, left-wing candidate. This this movie is brilliant. It's not the best written movie. It's not the best shot movie. It's not that, you know, you're going to see all kinds of movies that are better than this. But you're going to see very few that are smarter than this. Very few that are more self-aware than this. One of my favorite movies of the 1990s was Dave with Kevin Klein. Do you remember that movie? Oh, great. The classic scene where his friend Charles Grodin, his accountant, comes in over sandwiches. They order some subs in and they're sitting there in the Oval Office trying Bratwurst to figure out the- and hot mustard. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Trying to figure out the, the budget, right? This is an R-rated version of Dave. It's an R-rated version of Dave with a little Bullworth mixed in and a little bit of the Sting mixed in. Okay? And I don't want to spoil the ending at all. Are you aware, did, did, did one of our mutual friends spoil the ending for you so you, you know how it ends? I don't know how it ends. Okay, good. Then I don't want to bring that up. Let's not, Aaron, let's, you and I have seen this, right? Correct. Yeah. I don't want to discuss the ending at all. Cause I, I, because I, like the sixth sense or something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean like that early scene in hereditary where in the trailers, the little girl that you think is the, like the lead character that in the trailer, they make it look like she's the, you know, the demon possessed one. And then they kill her off early on and like your jaw drops and you're like, uh, didn't see that coming. All right. My jaw did that at the end of this movie. It, yeah. There is a sixth huh. sense thing going on. You bet. You bet there is. Well, don't you agree with that, Aaron? Yes, actually, I do think I might have spoiled this for Todd. Did you? Sorry, sorry, Todd. All right. Well, don't I'm not remind gonna go. I, yeah, I don't remember yeah. it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know what I'm talking about. Okay. Though. Yeah. All right. I, I'm I'm not going to address the ending at all because I never saw it coming. And the ending is, and make sure make sure you watch the end credits scenes. They're all good, but especially the last one. The last one is former CNN anchor Candy Crowley. Remember her? Oh, yeah. And she is hosting like an MSNBC panel with a bunch of nitwits. <laughs> and one of the things she says to them is, do you think maybe instead of coming up with news that 
the news fits our punditry, that our punditry ought to respond to what is the actual news. And that way we, we get off of interpreting everything in a left-right axis and actually start looking at what's really factual or not. The pundits give her a look like a dog. Yes. And, 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 the, and it goes on for an uncomfortable amount of time. Yeah. It's not like even like a second or two. It's like a full minute where they just all sit there gobsmacked, stupefied. They don't know what to do. They're like the Hal 9000, man. They, they, this, doesn't, this isn't their programming. And then she looks at him and says, I'm just kidding. And they get a big laugh out of it. Okay. I mean, the, the level of self-awareness in this film. When it was over, I had to, I almost stood up involuntarily and applauded. That's how good this movie is. It is brilliant. So if you've seen the trailer, the, you, you think you know the plot of the movie, but you kind of don't. The plot of the movie that is, that is sold to you in the trailer is a setup. But I don't want to spoil it beyond there. We'll get into a couple of other things that may be mild spoilers, but I'm definitely not spoiling the ending for you. Okay? But the plot of the movie is Steve Carell plays... The it Democrat consultant, right? He's on every cable news channel and they've done a great job of, first of all, when you open your, when you use Bob Seger as the opening credits music to your movie, you had me at hello, number one. What okay? song was it? They use still the same. Oh, okay? yeah? yeah. And, and, and they go through this long recent political montage to kind of set up Steve Carell's, you know, it's Republicans and Democrats, but to kind of set up Steve Carell's uh, character that he is essentially, it's like James Carville, like that never existed. He's like the Clinton operations main political um, he's like a cross between Carville and Dick Morris and, you know, he's the Paul Begala. He's like all of them. Okay. He's the, he is the, the Carl Rove of the Clinton wing of the democratic party. And, um, and, and after they lose an election, they thought they had no chance to lose in 2016. The democratic party pretends to go through this like soul searching thing, but they're not really serious about it. And, they, they, they find a guy who's got a video that's gone viral on YouTube. And he's a decorated Marine, like a colonel, right? A decorated Marine colonel, I want to say. Yes. Is that Cooper's character? Mm-hmm. Yep. A decorated Marine colonel in, um, uh, not Fond du Lac, where, where is it? Deer Locken. Deer Locken, Wisconsin. Okay. And he storms into the city council meeting in this video. And lectures them that, you know, the economy is shut down, the country, you know, the, the military base closed for military cutbacks, and they've lost half of the population in the city, and they can't pay their, their bills, and, and so they're going to strictly enforce a denial of social services to those who can't produce valid USID. And Chris Cooper's character is a, is a decorated Marine who storms in at the end of the city council meeting and gives them what for and says, hey, when we were flooded, those people over there that you want to deny basic services to, they were there, they helped us, they treated us like we were their neighbors, and now we're not going to do the same to them. Quotes the, uh, the Bible, am I not my brother's keeper? Okay. I mean, he touches every left-wing talking point when it comes to the welfare state only. And, and okay, and and um, you know the the classic bleeding heart liberal stuff. They don't. He doesn't get into any of the culture war stuff at all. 
Okay. In fact, they play up the whole movie, his strong religious faith the whole time. Okay. And um, this video goes viral. Steve, it, it, Steve Carell is shown it at Democratic National Committee headquarters in D.C. And he's like, I think this is the guy. This is, this is how we win back rural America. And he, go, and he sits down with like the board of the DNC to pitch them on sending him to Deerlock in Wisconsin to get this guy elected mayor and use it as a national platform to show rural America that Democrats don't hate them. And Deborah Messing is the woman conducting this meeting. That's, that's the actress. And you follow her on Twitter. It's like she didn't realize the character she's portraying in this film is, a, is, is John Stewart's ripping her, ripping her. Remember when Ricky Gervais said, hey, if Al Jazeera started a streaming yeah. service, you'd say, get my agent? Yeah. Deborah Messing agreed to play a character that is a parody of her and a harsh one. So what happens is Kirill, is, Kirill just wants to win. He's just going over the data. And he's just like, folks, if we win point three, if we win 3% more of rural, he's going over all the math. If we, if we keep our, we don't have to grow our black and brown bases at all. If we just get three points more of the rural base, we don't win it. We don't lose an election in America. We win, we have it locked up. We just got to win three more points of these people. You know, and, he, and he's trying to make the pitch. Deborah Messing's character is like, all we need to do is speak to our core black and brown constituencies, get more minority turnout. We don't want these rubes in our party. She's literally verbalizing yes. this stuff. Yep. As she literally reaches out yes. to, to her black yes. and brown friends yes. sitting right behind her, yes. and they start repeating a mantra. Yes. And then finally, in one, Spanish. one black woman next to her stands up and says, uh, actually, I think it'd be smart for us to grow the party. We should do this. And now Deborah Messing's character doesn't know what to do because she can't argue with the black woman. That violates intersectionality, right? It's a valid point. Yeah, so she's like, okay, then I get... She, suddenly, because the black woman spoke up, she's totally lost her own opinion. I mean, dude, the whole movie's like this. Jon Stewart just takes a freaking torch to the American left and the Democratic Party in this entire movie. The whole movie is like this. Uh, so Steve Krill goes and of course deer out of uh, or fish out of water you know has no clue what he's dealing with and and there's a lot of funny scenes with him trying to immerse himself into rural America subculture except these people are not depicted as rubes they're not depicted as unsophisticated they're not depicted as stupid they're depicted as simple but not like simple minded they're just simple people in rural Wisconsin you know they don't really care about Republicans and Democrats. They have a basic moral value system. They just want to go to church on Sunday, take their kids to, you know, graduate their kids from high school and, and, and visit their grandkids and live an American life. And that's all being taken away from them. It honestly portrays rural America, honestly, and honestly portrays small town Americans with respect and dignity. Who it turns the tables on is the political system. And we're running short on time, so I want to mention one more scene. What, what ends up becoming the issue, and if, if you're not convinced you need to take your wife over to the Palms, local theater that's open here in town, and see this this weekend, when I tell you this, you will, okay? 
what ends up turning the election, and and I can't remember the gal's name that's been in a ton of movies there. Rose Byrne? Ro- yeah, Rose Byrne. She's basically playing a, a takeoff, a foul mouth takeoff of Kellyanne Conway. I will just tell you, having been around Kellyanne Conway several times, she does not talk like that, by the way. Okay, but um, the Republicans are almost like bystanders here. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're not a foil. They're just the opposition. They're, they're, they're not really part of the plot. This is really John Stewart doing to the Democratic Party what we have done to the Republican Party how many times on this program? Turning the, the mirror back on you and saying, do you really believe the stuff you claim? Do you really care about rural America or is this just all about uh, dudes uh, wearing bras and screaming, I'm a woman? Well, you know, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, that's really what this movie is about. And the issue that turns the mayoral election, when it looks like Cooper is going to win, is Natasha Leone, he brings in all the, the analytic team from the DNC to DC, like they'd have on a presidential campaign. They're here to win this mayoral race in Deer Lock in Wisconsin. And Natasha Leone does the, does the analytics at a precinct and street-by-street street level. And she finds a street in Deer Lock in Wisconsin that is abnormally populated by single women. So, so she starts lit dropping, just you know, micro-targeting this neighborhood with, with literature that says Republicans are going to take away your taxpayer-funded birth control if the Republican mayor wins the election. The reason why this loses them the election, or threatens to lose them the election, I should say, the reason why is because the reason why these particular streets have an unusual... Um, a density of single women populating them they is because the Catholic convent oh. in town is located there and they're all nuns. <laughs> and the nuns, this is like ripped right out of the headlines, guys. Like the little sisters of the poor show up at, and, and say with the priest, we're not, we lost, we, you've lost all our votes. Steve Carell's character loses his mind that his staff is this dumb, okay? And he starts screaming out, we lost all those votes. See what I'm gonna need? I'm gonna need some bleeping Hispanics. And he just keeps repeating this over and over again, like minorities are nothing but a number. I'm gonna need, we're gonna lose all the nuns, gonna lose the whole Catholic vote. I'm gonna need some bleeping Hispanics. Where are my bleeping Hispanics at? This, this, this is exactly this what is goes exactly. on. Yep. And the staff from this small town in Wisconsin is stunned to hear him talk like this, okay? This scene, guys, it took my breath away that this was in the movie. I, I, at this point, I began to wonder, did Jon Stewart make this film for me? Is this, should it really be, dear Steve, how do I loathe thee? Or how do I love thee? Let me count the ways. Is this a love letter to me? The whole movie's like this. I could not recommend it more highly. I have, I'm not going to spoil the end because the end is perfect. This movie deserves a standing ovation. It is freaking brilliant. Brilliant. So the real question is, did John Stewart have an epiphany? Or did he think like this all the time and just not have the courage of his convictions to do anything about it when he had one of the biggest bully pulpits for change in the country, in media, for like, what, how many years? Close to a decade. Who knows? Now, remember, he left his show in 2015. So a full year before Donald Trump got elected president. Right? So, I don't know. I can't answer those questions. I never really watched The Daily Show. 
never really saw an episode. I'd see clips trend online and that's about it. I remember him going on CNN and calling them out once for being a ridiculous news network that isn't interested in the news. I remember that. But I don't really know what went on in his show on a daily basis. I don't know. I do know this movie, though. There's, I wondered, how did a movie by a popular liberal about politics, why is it rated so lowly on Rotten Tomatoes? Now you well, know. After, you, after you see the film, you will know, okay? Because it goes after the elites on the left hard, hard. All right, that's going to do it for today. See you tomorrow. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.